FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 441 of the podcast that goes snicked. Bark, bark. Hi. <laughs> Max is not happy with me. <laughs> so, uh, Max, hush up, buddy. Come on. Um, yeah, so, uh, well, first of all, let me introduce my lovely guest. Back with us from the Scalabros are Georgie and Dan. Hey, guys. Yo. And we're going to talk about Hello. some new books, I think. Most of these are the last issue before the X Gala. I don't want to say that's exclusively true because I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Um, and so we'll get into some that news and stuff, and then the comics. But um, yeah, uh, poor Max. Um, well, I say poor Max. It's mostly his own fault. Um, all right. So, so let me set the scene here. So we have a, a wooden fence that goes around our backyard. Um, and part of the HOA here is, you know, obviously, in most places is the same way. The posts for the fence are on the inside. So we have a wooden fence with metal post. Well, to keep the backyard looking nice, we encase the metal post with, like, a wood covering. And it's pretty tight, but it's just enough opening that, like, small animals get in there. Sometimes, sometimes like, the field rats will get behind those and try to do stuff. Or, more often than not... Uh, rabbits will get in and build nests like around the post because they have the protection right, right. of the wood. Well, Max does not like that because he likes to uh, hunt rabbits. And the other day he was outside. He's been really quiet, and I was working. I was I had a couple of back-to-back meetings, and I was like, he's been out a long time. I need to go check on him. So I went outside, and he had a rabbit in the middle of the yard. So he he was successful in his mission, but. I, he was limping, and I look over, and he, with his mouth and paw, had tore up the covering to one of the posts, and like tore through the wood. And these are like an inch and a half thick. Oh. Um, <laughs> and so, in all of that, he sliced the pad of his foot open. We had to take him to the vet and all that fun stuff. Anyway, right now he's on antibiotics, and he has a cone of shame on. And he can't go outside by himself. I have to chaperone him. And so he gets really frustrated with me if I can't go out at exactly the second he wants to go sniff around for more rabbits. So <laughs> so if he is barking and frustrating, it's because he wants me to take him outside to play. And, you know, I'll do it after we're done here. But When I was um, living in Ohio, we had like an acre of land. Um which sounds like, I mean, it is a lot of land, but in Ohio, it's not a whole lot of land. And, um, like, you know, you get deer in the backyard or, you know, oh, wow. um, you know, birds, etc. But there'd be rabbits in the back and we'd let the dogs out and they would chase the rabbits and rabbits are super fast. Like there yes. was never, never a chance that they were ever going to catch the rabbits. <laughs> um, but it was like a little fun exercise for them to, to go, uh, but yeah, rabbits, dogs love chasing chasing little rodents. They do. I cannot tell you how many times Max has ran full speed into the fence because a rabbit runs under the fence and he doesn't stop. Right, right, right. Like he just chases it until the fence Ooh. stops him. Yeah. <laughs> there's a um, where where my pa- where I used to live, where my parents live. There's a grim um, reality to that. Is that um, rabbits usually up near the cliff edge, and so when Ooh. dogs go chasing them, rabbits 
run to the cliff, then 90 degree turn, and the dogs don't. Oh, no. <laughs> so, See, been one or two, um, everything is darker in England. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Okay, well, wah, wah. <laughs> Uh, oh. We're just going to talk all about like animal abuse uh, this right. whole episode, right? Okay. Right, right. Yeah. Um, or maybe some comic abuse in a couple of situations. <laughs> but, uh, wow. No, I'm just kidding. But hey, we did have some news that set uh, X Twitter a flurry. Um, and that is the reveal, one of the reveal of one of the new books and kind of the, I, I guess, consequential related um, happening around that. So. We found out that the Trial of Magneto is the new Lee Williams book, and um, and then also that her X Factor team will be a part of that. Um, wait, did I? Is it Williams or Tom? <laughs> what? Huh? Thompson? Is it Lee Thompson or Lee? Oh shoot! Williams. It's Williams. Yeah, Williams. Okay. I had a just weird like panic moment there for a second. You're thinking I was, of uh, is it Kelly Thompson? What's her name? I was, and I was trying to think of why I sometimes. Anyway, whatever. Because you were oh. hoping it was a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, X Factor is getting canceled to to make room for this book, and then I'm I'm assuming it's going to start back up afterwards, and maybe in either a different volume or a different name or whatever, but. We shall see. But anyway, a lot of people are really upset and just kind of wanted to check the pulse. I have a somewhat complex feeling because I didn't really enjoy the book as a comic, but I do understand that it meant a lot to a lot of different people for some different representation reasons, and I'm bummed that they don't get that anymore, but I don't really have any distinct passion about the comic itself. So anyway, I just wanted to give you guys a chance to to talk about it, or your grievances, whatever. Well, um, I suppose it's, I suppose it's uh, best to point out that on the same day that they cancel Marvel's most queer comic, they <laughs> announce a new gay hero, a <laughs> LGBT hero, for Pride Month. I don't know. Was it like to mitigate the damage? Um, if I, I believe if X Factor, if X Men can have like another volume within a year, um, I, as like a season two, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm, ass- I'm assuming because I didn't think X Factor was doing badly compared to some of the others. Right. I thought that, but then that could just be vocal fan base compared to like actual sales. But, um, and obviously the, the office has faith in her to give her an event, right? So, um, so I'm assuming it's going to come back or it's not. It'll be weird if it doesn't come back because that's just, it. Just seems like a bizarre. And this is this is like their Matt Fraction moment where they just reel out to do an event, and then ditch her forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It does seem weird because it seems like this is going to be like an X Factor event. So it, I see from a marketing standpoint why they want to separate it from the book, but it almost maybe could have just been part of the book. I don't know. I mean, it's it's always weird how those decisions kind of play out. But Georgie, what were your your thoughts on it? Ah, uh, oh boy. Um, I think it's interesting to talk about uh, what the book's about, since um, you know we just did. So we're going to talk about sword and sort of murder, um, and and how no one's above it is sort of a theme 
in the book, mm-hmm. and this is going to be the trial where um, Magneto's accused of murdering someone at the end of the Hellfire Gala, is what the synopsis is, or, or something like that. So yeah. um, I think that's really interesting, that he's going to have to go through that. He went through a trial, oh boy, what, what was that, back in Uncanny, uh, like... 200. One, yeah, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. So he's done this before. Um, when when so I was I was tentatively optimistic about the series when it's like uh, not uh, Excalibur about the Magneto series because Williams tends to do well when she has one character to focus on right um, but then you learn well her X Factor character is going to be involved all right how convoluted and like is this going <laughs> to get and is everyone going to have the same voice that she kind of does with all of her other characters is it going to be too wordy like I, I have reservations um in terms of excalibur or x factor continuing um i I'm, I'm with dan i don't see why it won't be back in, in some form uh, right. i know she was upset like you can't use polaris otherwise I'm, I'm taking my toys and going home sort of a thing it was uh kind of childish but um uh you know, the book was all right. I, I was never blown away by it. I, I think the artwork didn't work for me, uh, as we talked about. Um, right. it, it, it's a shame uh, people like, you know, characters people love to see won't be around, perhaps. I think that's the biggest tragedy. I'm not really right. worried about Williams because I know that her and, um, oh, what's his name? The, White. The, yeah, Jordan D. White are like good buddies. So he's going to keep looking out for her and giving her stuff. So I'm not really worried about like her career or what she's going to do next. But like, it'd be, you know, it'd be a shame if these characters went by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, you know, it's funny because people talk about how they really love her characterization of some of these. And I think the one they point to the most, I don't necessarily get, but I do think that. It's been nice to see Doc and have somewhat of a personality for the first time in several years. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's yeah. I, I think there's there's some pros and and pluses to her run. I just I think I found it underwhelming for the most part. But you know, it wasn't that long ago that you know her What If Magic was one of my favorite comics of that year. So, I mean, she definitely is capable of hitting the home run. And maybe hopefully this trial will give her a chance to to flex some different muscles. Yeah, uh, I mean, I hope I hope it's a good book. We always want it to be good. We've, yep. we've read books where she's done an amazing job, and we've read books where she's been less than amazing. So I, I hope it's a I hope it's a great book. Yeah, me too. Well, speaking of great new books, well, actually, Dan, I, you, you brought up another piece of news. I had seen where um, I think uh, make sure I get the name right. Is it Somnus? That was the yeah. character you referenced, the new uh, LGBTQ character uh, for Pride Month. And the the press is that he's supposed to have a really distinct tie-in to X-Men continuity. So I'm interested to see what they do there. Any theories? Is it going to be something from the past, y'all think? Or will it plug right into modern day? What, what, y'all have any, any guesses? Um, I don't know. Um, is it the Mutant? Isn't he supposed to be a mutant? I believe so. I, that's what I understood from the uh, release, but I could be wrong. Because it was, it, it was, he's been created by uh, Orlando and oh, I forget the name. Uh, I follow him on Instagram. He's awesome. They, they're both um, 
he, he does most of the pride, like that fun cover where it's all around. Oh. And it's on- um, um, Luciano. Um, uh, starts with the V. Yes, <laughs> he's doing. He's doing. He's doing champions right now. Um, yes, that that two. At least it was created by two um, queer uh, creators. Um, I feel like the tie might be tangential. <laughs> like he's just sort of like either a child of one of the X Men, or he ends up being one of the children of the uh, kid. Okay. Yeah, Luciano Vecchio is is the guy you're thinking of. So I haven't had seen any any news of this at all. So I've been like so uh, un, I have not been very engaged in Twitter recently, uh, especially with X news. So like this all this is all news. So I'm gonna have to yeah, take yeah. a look. <laughs> yeah, what's gonna be his his first appearance will be in the the Pride issue uh, that Marvel's doing. So. Yeah, I mean, his design is pretty cool, I guess. He's, like, lots of white and kind of Eastern-looking there. He reminds me of Bloodwind from the Justice League from, like, the 90s. Um, that may be quite... I can't... That's not obscure. He was in the Death of Superman. That's not an obscure character. <laughs> right. But, yeah, he design was... I, I quite like him. He's got, what, the ability to... What was it? The ability to make your dreams? Or... Do something with dreams? Yeah, something about dreams. Um, uh, total control of people's dreams. So I don't know what that means. It almost feels like a little nightmarish power, right? What, if, what, of... what if he made Xavier dream that Mario McTaggart existed? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so Hawks Fox is all a dream caused by Somnus. <laughs> <laughs> Get get out of jail continuity card. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a trope I never need to see again. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, my previous segue was speaking of great new books. Uh, <laughs> Way of X is here. Yeah. So that I believe. Be Damn. Yeah, that would be you. Uh, were not... you able to get your iPad running? Do you need? Um, I don't. I, right. So. Um, uh-oh. Sorry, everyone on the podcast. My 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 pad doesn't seem to want to actually load it. However, I do have like some information on like the creators in front of me, so I can do that. And I can I can if I miss a miss a beat of the narrative, uh, you can you can fill in uh, the blanks. If you um, miss a beat, I'm gonna beat you. <laughs> <laughs> we good. got the beats. <laughs> um, so the uh, the way of X. Um, Written by uh, Cy Spurrier, uh, Pencils and Inks by Bob Quinn, art by, um, I want to say, Hava Tatagalia, letters by Feces Clayton Cowles, and designed by Tom Mueller. And I believe the cover is Kamenicoli? Giuseppe Kamenicoli and Marte Gracia. And it's Nightcrawler, then. Yeah, I like it a lot. We have the stained glass and the nightcrawler teleporting in with two swords and then two bad guys with guns. But it's nice. This is iconography, so it works. Um, so essentially, the book uh, follows Kurt as he traverses through Krakoa and outside of Krakoa, um, asking the simple question of, is death meaningless? What does it mean to have, have a society where death is actually meaningless? Is, are we being re- reckless? Is there things that uh, we should be concerning ourselves with? This is a church full of 
uh, church to a museum of hate. We should probably like do this, but I'll do a joke on Magneto, which he didn't take very well. And, <laughs> and then I'm I'm the nice one because people keep telling me I'm the nice one. And uh, a nice um, young mutant asks, um, tries to ask for my help, and I refuse. And then there's this really horrible um, moment where Magneto is in the crucible with with said mutant, and Kurt has to intervene but only to find out that the poor mutant is um, cursed by his body since he lost his mutation. And once he gets his mutation back, he feels whole. However, he still makes everyone sick around him, apart from Kurt, because Kurt's got a tail. On this journey, he meets the Mad Hatter, a.k.a. Dr. Nemesis, who um, has uh, magic mushrooms growing from his forehead, because uh, everyone in, in Kukur has to have some sort of vegetation growing from them if they have a, a goatee. Um, right. a la Black Tom. Um, all in the background is the heavily foreshadowed. I think it's Patchwork Man, or mm-hmm. like not Crazy Quilt Man, but Patchwork right. Man. <laughs> um, and Xavier has nightmares, wherefore about this Patchwork Man, and other people are seeing it, and the kids are talking about it. Um, and even Pixie sees a figure when she is resurrected. Kurt tries to give her be really nice to Pixie because. Um, she died and it was her first time, which she was egged on by all, all of these young mutants with DJ, who I never thought I'd see again since the like young mutant handbook, where it was like powers. He can use music to make powers. I never never thought anyone would use him. Um, <laughs> but he's all like, I'm a social media dude and I want to see you like get murdered because that's totally fine. Um, Kurt's quite right to question all morality on, on Kukoa. Um, and she doesn't like cheese bake, bake, baked goods anymore, or cheese toasties, because she liked sushi when she died. Uh, bef- no, the copy liked sushi. When she died, she wanted a toasty. Kurt feels everyone runs off to go f- do a fashion show or whatever, and Kurt's sad. Then Kurt's told to go somewhere else, ends up at a graveyard, and lo and behold, the very big foreshadow is that, hey, it's Siberia's other book. Um, <laughs> like, Legacy or Legion. Right. Um, I think that's everything I covered. Um, you did pretty I, well missed, going blind there. That was pretty great. I missed anything else. I did read it that when it first came out. I read it three times. So, oh, wow. Um, so um, once to just absorb it, obviously. Second one to make sure that it was actually good. And a third, <laughs> a third, time, a third time just for enjoyment. Um, so there you go. It's in my brain. So, yeah. How do you feel about the way of X? Well, um, I thought it was a great introduction. Um, I feel like a lot of these questions have been in the background of a lot of readers' minds and not necessarily in any of the characters. And I'm glad that Nightcrawler is the one to address them from his point of view. Um, I love – he even talks to his own self about being moody and, (laughs) you know, kind of moping around. But I I like that because it shows the the two sides of Nightcrawler, right? There's the the daring, you know, adventurer, but then there's a guy who's also very reflective. And I think this kind of shows how the reflective, introspective version of Nightcrawler would try to deal with some very complex questions. And and what does it mean to his faith? Does it mean his faith is – empty now and you know it's just I, I thought it was very well written um I thought the art was fine um if I had my qualms I would have a stronger artist on this book because I think the writing deserves it but I thought the art was fine um 
there was a cool part where you talked about he brought uh, the, the pastries to Pixie. But that whole resurrection scene and all the panels leading up to that, you can see it like wrapped in his tail. Like he's holding with his tail and just kind of carrying it around from panel to panel until he tries to give it to her. And I thought that was nice. Um, yeah, overall, I liked it a lot and I'm really interested to see where it goes. Um, I agree that the Legion thing, I don't know if it would have been telegraphed if it wasn't Cy Spurrier to me, but with it being Cy Spurrier, I, yeah, it was pretty telegraphed <laughs> because he has done a lot with that character and obviously loves the character a lot. So when you think of a, a very powerful mental set of powers and you look at who's doing the book, it's like, oh, yeah, that's probably Legion. <laughs> well, it's interesting because uh, with Legion coming back, uh, it'll bring up the question of bringing back people who could see the future because he had a True. romance blindfold. And also, uh, as as Spurrier, I believe, is a fellow Brit like me, um, he also likes Chamber. So I, fingers crossed, another character I like is in the book at some point. Um, but... Um, I kind of echo the sentiments of it, it's it's about time that we have a book that deals with larger philosophical questions of like yeah. being completely immortal um and and how death is now like a game to these kids there's like there's like they're reckless but they don't care because they can never die um and it's framed within this like sort of museum that's like dedicated to hating them and the most terrible things that mutants have done. So it's kind of like a weird sort of the, the uh, humanity's uh, darkest view of mutants um, versus mutants most um, accomplished moment in their own society. And it was an interesting, cause like, it's clearly that he's, he's uh, Spurrier is uh, trying to tackle a lot of angles at once using Kurt as the, the focal lens, and I actually really enjoyed all of the wiki pe- wiki pages all the way yeah, through the text. Yeah, um, The idea that uh, he is naive in his uh, ability to create a belief system, uh, and like the idea that he's learning from other people, and I, I don't know, it just feels very Kurt. It felt very Excalibur, the most Excalibur any of the books have been. <laughs> of Kurt, of Kurt doing a joke to someone, and it falling flat that feels very much like a trope that an Excalibur, that Excalibur used to um, roll out um, a lot and it was nice to see um, sort of he's trying to be like the cute fun one but <laughs> Magneto is so miserable that you can't <laughs> get, get, the, get the talent off from it but yeah I think um, the writing's really good and I really enjoy the colour work all the way through I think it, it halos a lot of the scenes quite well uh, the use of yellow and like golds especially in like the resurrection scene always always really um pops for me and i think they like kurt's costume iconic as it is really looks like bright and vibrant um in the setting of of like you know around all of his mopey depression but kind of a nice sort of uh juxtaposition to what he's thinking as well but i agree that the art itself was um it's got some really nice panels, like you said, him holding uh, onto the uh, pastries and like some some of the sort of uh, thoughtful panels. Like he's really good at talking heads. I don't know if he's very yes, good at action. Yes, yes, I don't know if he's very good at action. That's my only thing because like there's no like dynamic, like nothing's dynamic. Nothing feels. Everything feels very flat. Like the 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 fight in the um, crucible was very flat. The fight at the well, I say fight the sort of massacre. I don't know what you want to call it at the beginning. The thing at the beginning was kind of a bit flat. But um, when he when he has to like think and um, get the characters to think, they all have 
great expressions like Xavier's shocked. Both of them can get really shocked out of bed though with their little dreams. So they're very everything looks very handsome in a great way. So I'd say it's it's a very strong first outing. Right. Yeah, I mean I, I totally agree with the talking heads. I think he's great with faces and expressions. Um you know, in terms of action shots, there's the the one where they're sort of bamfing in from the sky, where Nightcrawler's front and center. I kind of like that action shot, but uh, yeah, the others are kind of. It feels to me like this this is gonna. And <clears throat> I don't really know much about the artist, but this feels like like an up and coming artist who like in a little bit of time is gonna be really amazing, but is sort of working into his full potential or her full potential, if that makes sense. Sure. Uh, but I, I really like like how uh, Pixie's drawn uh, the faces. Uh, Kurt, who uh, sometimes I forget is a tiny dude, uh, is drawn as a great tiny <laughs> dude here. And <laughs> uh, in, in, uh, you know, I'm with Dan that the costume, like his old classic costume, just stands out so amazingly in this book. Um, but but for me, mostly it was just the appreciation that someone else is like looking at the big picture here and saying, oh, this is what we're doing with the X-Men. What can you say about it? What can you say about life about it? And, uh, you know, this book is, is sort of running with that. X-Men was running with that. Um, Sword was running with that. Uh, Marauders to, you know, maybe a lesser extent is, is not really about the big, bigger ideas here, but I just appreciated that someone's like, Oh, uh, you've put this giant playground here. Yeah. I'm going to like really enjoy delving into the depths of, of, of there's just so much to talk about and most but like Excalibur's not really talking about it X Factor was or X Factor's not talking about it. Excalibur was like hey can we um, go to the, the the magic place I don't know what to talk do with these characters can we go somewhere else it's very strange <laughs> so it's I'm weird. just like ex- go ahead it's weird because you mentioned X Factor and I feel like talking about death um, Larry Williams touched on the subject of it in the first couple of issues but then just dropped it for like a mojo yeah and it was really annoying because that book's focus is about like the death protocols on Krakoa. Mm-hmm. I know it shouldn't really deal with the philosophical, but you've got quite a few characters there that could, that have all died and come back anyway. Um, so like you could talk about a lot with them. I'm, I don't know. Maybe I don't, to be honest, I don't care. I've got a really good book with uh, way of X. Um, <laughs> it seems like a missed opportunity for some of the X factor, like the concept of the X factor. Right, right. So I was just happy that someone's, you know, doing something, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say of higher intelligence, but like um, high concept-ish with, uh, with, with, with the X-Men here. Yeah. I really love even his own kind of admission, right? Because when he talks about them taking death lightly and, and not treating it with respect, quote-unquote, he's like, in my heart, it feels wrong. In my head, I understand why it's okay, but I can't get those two together. And so I'm really, like, struggling and wrestling and torn up about this. And I think that's very, like, I, I know the whole the whole Dawn of X is about mutants being over humans, but this is it's a very human aspect of the character. And it really gives Kurt the dimensional weight that he needs as a character. And so I just... I, I've been so hungry to see Nightcrawler do stuff, and I know this was not the swashbuckling, and maybe we'll get some of that in later issues, but man, this really, really scratched my Nightcrawler inch because it felt so true to who he is. Um, so big ups to Spurrier for, for really nailing it out of the gate, I think. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. 
And I like his indignation at the crucible. I like. I feel like that. Like it all just jives to what I think Nightcrawler would do, and and kind of goes because he's been such a like just kind of quiet, maybe not agreeing, but not disagreeing with stuff. And so I'm hoping this leads to more vocal, active Nightcrawler in in the X Men universe in general. Yeah, because he's he's been like a. Um... He's in that one issue of X Men, and, and then um, which was about the Crucible, and then he was in Hot and Pot. Um, I tell that he's done nothing really. Like he's not even in X of Swords when he uses swords. <laughs> yeah, that was a travesty. But uh, um, uh, I, you know, he's just been like, stuff's weird. I need to ponder this. Has been basically his whole <laughs> mantra for the last year and a half. Just right. I'm, I'm sort of thinking about what we're doing. I'll get back to you later. <laughs> All right, you guys want to rate this thing? <sighs> yes, I'm, y'all are probably going to swing me, so I'll let you go first. Well, I'm actually, I really enjoy it. However, there are little moments. I do think it is a bit too wordy and a bit dense uh, for, like, first readers. And just in general, it's it's very, like, he's allowed to do what he wants. So uh, Spurio is dumped a lot of the information sometimes. It's not as eloquent. Um, and the, the art... Uh, isn't massively amazing in places, so I'm still I'm just going to land on a five out of six. Yeah. So the way you were talking about it, I thought you were going to go lower because I'm also going to give it a five. Um, uh, but I, you know, the art isn't the greatest, and he is allowed to sort of dump a lot on there. But I, you know, if if you have a comic that there's not a big concept, it's it's a simple idea, and you still have like Claremontian word bubbles, I'm going to be upset. But this, there's a lot to go over and think about. So if you're dumping a little bit more information, I'm more forgiving. Uh, so I'm going to give it a five out of six, kind of because uh, it's really reaching for something grander, and I, I appreciated that. Yeah, I think I think what you're saying, George, is like it's as deep as it is wide. So it, there's a nice proportion of um, dialogue to concept. Um, all right, well, I'm, I'm right, I was going to give y'all a chance to talk me up, but I'm right there with five out of six claws. It's a pretty high five for me, with really the only only drawback for me. I wasn't as as bothered as much by the wording as I just would have liked a little more out of the art uh, for me to give it a six. But it's pretty close. But a, a very strong five out of six, uh, kind of around the board. It sounds like mm-hmm. very cool. Let's go to another book we've been mostly enjoying, uh, Sword Number Five. All right, guys, give me one second. Sword number five, uh, written by Al Ewing, artist Valerio Shitty, uh, color artist Marte Gracia, letter of VCs Ariana Mayer, and designed by Tom Muller. Uh, on the cover, we've got uh, Magneto and Fabian Cortez. Uh, and in the background, we've got uh, sort of the, the end result of the snark war on a yellow uh, panel. I don't know. This this cover is kind of a waste to me. I don't know what you guys think. <laughs> I really like the color elements. Um, right, so it's the yellow background, the other red circle, and then the lighter yellow interior, and kind of the pink around the logo, and then the characters in white and yellow. So I, I like the color scheme. Uh, the design is fine. <laughs> what do you think um, of the cover, Dan? If I remember it correctly, um, I like it. I'm, I'm playing by just pure memory, like a game. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, um, in this book, 
Uh, we have two things happening at once. The Snark War is coming to an end, which I thought was like a silly, hilarious uh, sci-fi thing. I'm, I'm kind of glad it was included, even though like the result may not be that important. Uh, I really appreciated that. And as that is, is concluding and the, the lizard aliens are killing off their brothers and sisters to become the new leader, uh, Fabian Cortez is resurrected and he has uh, a meeting in the nude uh, with uh, the, <laughs> the the council. Um, and I know this is a good book because it made me sympathize with Fabian Cortez a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you can do that, I think you're flying on all cylinders. And it's not like I, I sympathize with his message, but like the way he was treated was so oh. terrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, now he like, was straight up bullied. Which yes. Is- yeah. And, and they're talking about him in third person while he's standing there. It was like I've I've had experiences like that, and I, I could like feel for, like yes, is he a, a bad person? Most likely, but like you know, um, not not a character isn't black or white. Every character is some sort of shade of gray, right? So like, there's some good, there's some bad. You don't want uh, maybe maybe it warranted, maybe it wasn't warranted, uh, but he basically. Like he's pleading for like special dispensation to be allowed to kill humans, uh, because sort of he's special, and um, since humans don't have resurrection, uh, their lives end. So basically, they're they're sort of dead anyway. What's the point if they're not going to continue? Uh, it's um, it's an interesting idea, in in how it's presented. Like obviously, he just wants to kill humans. Um, right. But he's the way he 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 framed it was very um, intelligent and also uh, felt very like fascist to me. So um, <laughs> I just thought thought like the the trial was done really well there. I mean, not the trial, his meeting, until ultimately they're like, "Yo, fuck you, we're replacing you with someone else." Um, and by the way, this is all just uh, to make fun of you in the nude. So uh, that was. Uh, that that was one half. The other half, the Snark War ends um, with uh, two people showing up to the end of this meeting. Uh, one is boy, I can't remember her name. Amelia uh, Voigt. Thank you. And the other is someone from um, Morocco um, named Cora K H O R A, who's supposed to take the place of Fabian Cortez. And uh, I thought it was interesting that they uh, sort of trying to uh, bring those islands back together. Uh, like if if Sword wasn't doing enough in like high high sci-fi, they're also like, well, we have this other plot line that's sort of been dangling and no one's been willing to touch. Um, <laughs> like w- one of the only interesting things about uh, X of Swords was like, oh, this is other island with other mutants. Maybe we should do something with them. And everyone's like, no, we don't want to. We don't know what to do. <laughs> and you uh, was like, we'll oh, talk about what Cable does with it in a minute. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least you was like, hey, there's there's things we can do here. What are you guys yeah. sitting around? BSing for, so I, I appreciated that was in there, um, and then artwork wise, I thought this was sort of the usual stunning um, uh, artwork we've had in the, in the in the past four issues. The color work is just gorgeous. Like every time Garcia uh, Garcia's on on a book, you know it's going to be fabulous, right? Yeah, uh, I appreciate the layouts. The, the layouts in this book are always uh, very interesting. Uh, a lot of diagonals happening here. A lot of larger larger views. I, like there, there's panels. Kind of, there could be throwaway panels, and it's Gene is leading Fabian Cortez to a meeting, 
and it's sort of zoomed out and they're walking on a branch of a tree and he's like kicking off the, the goo off his leg. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nothing <laughs> panel, but even that is so unique and, and, and beautiful. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, it's hard not to say this is the best X book at the moment because it's really firing on, on all cylinders. What, what did you guys think? I liked it quite a bit. It, um, there's something going on in this book, and and I'll expound on it more when we talk about Cable. You know, we we had some questions at, at the beginning of Hox Pox, and particularly Don of X, with you know motivations around Xavier and Magneto, and we're really starting to see, I think, some of the hypocrisy and elitism from them, which is kind of unfortunate character traits, but, I mean, it, it makes sense that it might exist in, you know, the people who are leading and founding a country, right? It's unfortunate, but not unnatural. But, like, because the way they bully Fabian, yeah, he's not a good dude, right? Like, he, you know, deserves probably to be put in his place a little bit, but to just be, like, humiliated in this way is very kind of juvenile. I can't and they don't even treat like Sinister this bad, you know? And so there's this kind of that, that Magneto has a grudge, and so he takes it out on Fabian. Um, and I, I think you can say, you can get mad about that and say, well, these characters are acting shitty. Or you can say, no, it's interesting that these characters are acting kind of shitty. What are they going to do with it? Um, and the, the Snark War thing is kind of dumb, and there's a couple of really beautiful panels. The one where... Um, Condor gets killed um, with the red, and then he's all in purple and black shadow with the yellow thuck. Like that's a great panel, and it's all color work and artwork. And um, yeah, I agree. There's just so much dynamics to this that it really works on a lot of different levels. Uh, Dan, what did you think about it? Well, um, artistically, I think it's pretty much one of the better looking books that we're reading at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I think the color work is lovely, as as already stated, and is it's there's a lot going there's a lot to say to a book where the acting of the people on on the page uh, convey a lot more than the script um, can, and I think that's what happens here. Um, I think as as a script goes, uh, it, it is basically showing the hypocrisy of not just Krakoa but the whole operation in itself, where. Um, Sword and Abigail uh, Brand specifically has done, um, let's just say, uh, gone to great lengths to uh, create a politically... Like a puppet government, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, basically a a political food, essentially, uh, for for themselves and solving a problem before it begun, which is kind of the remit that she was putting across anyway. and that kind of wet works, um, with especially using uh, the more harsher, more aggressive, apparently, uh, people on Araco. Um, and also, I really didn't remember um, uh, Amelia Voigt being like a cold-blooded assassin. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. um, that, that was like an interesting uh, moment for me. When it comes to Fabian, I think um, he's got a lot of history So uh, with Magneto. So it can come off as petty and such forth but it feels too pronged it also feels like they're not humiliating him as a character they're humiliating his idea sure of course um but like it's not but it feels like it's 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 um where's way of x sort of like dances uh gracefully gracefully over the piano 
um, with its themes. Um, this is the first ep- first episode mm-hmm. of um, Sword where I feel felt like there was a bit few bum notes going on. Um, yeah, okay, he's he is a he is a horrible man. He clearly just wants to kill mutants. Uh, everyone's already read his mind before he even turned up to this meeting. Um, and it's all been staged and ridiculous. And it's right, you're right. Um, uh, Sinister has done worse, and other ca- other uh, Magneto has done worse, um, <laughs> and, and and they haven't been treated this way. But I also feel like um, it's forced character development for yet another possible Fabian story, where he comes swooping in in either the trial of Magneto or later on, uh, where he comes swooping in with the hypocrisy of it all and tries to use undermined magneto as he always uh does i feel like it's right. unfortunate it's well it's well f- staged as a character piece i just think it's bad thematically um but at the same time like um i do like the idea that not just i, I do like the idea that everyone is uh, everyone is immortal but everyone is replaceable um which which uh, which it brings up with the new with the new edition edition uh, because clearly um, Araka just has anything um, anyone wants uh, depending on the writer. Um, <laughs> and it, it's fun to um, see Fabian like melt because he always thinks he's indispensable and watching that sort of uh, the definition the mutant definition of um, white privilege melt in front of all the other. But you're right. Um, um, it, it was fun seeing Magneto and Xavier play to what they, their strengths, which is just arrogant pricks. Um, right. <laughs> but, but like, I enjoyed the book, and it's fun. But I also think it was a bit heavy-handed in what it was trying to say about Fabian at the same time. Um, but I'm hoping that what it, it kind of undercuts itself and it doesn't play out the more obvious cards it could play from this moment onwards. I'm hoping it does because um, I, I you, just want to say is capable. oh, sorry, go ahead. As I was just saying, Ewan's a really capable writer, so I'm assuming it's going to go somewhere in a better way than my brain wants it to, I suppose. Right. I just want to know, is there no fiction on Krakoa? Or are they just not self-aware enough to know that they just made a bad guy plot? <laughs> <laughs> like, my sh- like, there's no way that you ever shame somebody or humiliate somebody like this and they don't come back to be a bad guy. Like, that's just that's fiction 101. Xavier Magneto should be aware enough to know not to create intentional enemies, but, you know, whatever. I think they're also feeling very uh, omnipotent at the moment as well. Right, right, right. untouchable. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Well, um, it's interesting because the one element of X-Men lore that hasn't been touched upon is the Brotherhood, Um, really. So maybe this book, maybe New Mutants of the Shadow King and a few other books are are lining up a... a, Ah, and that uh, guy, Cabal. Right. Possibly. Interesting. Um. Before we leave the art too much, I want to say Skitty is a masterful facial and body language artist. Like his facial expressions and his body language are on point in this whole issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you guys, I mean, uh, in terms of artwork, uh, depending on um, how Cable's looking, I think those are like the two best books art wise we got going right now. I mean, yeah, is there with, anything else? I think without having Laraz on a regular book, I completely agree. All right, I guess we, we really love the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. All right. What well, do you guys All want right. to rate it? 
E. Oh, before we rate it, what do y'all think is on the last page? What's the what's all the stuff? I've seen a couple of different hypotheses. Y'all have, uh, have any idea what you think it might be? Yes, to remind me because I'm I don't have. So it's a big. They're like on this big storeroom, and they're walking on a bridge, and there's these two giant pits of blue something. Well, Fabian says they're like mining Mysterium or something like that, right? That's what okay. they're going after. I, I mean, that's what it is, I figure. But what, oh, okay. what is it? I have not. I I haven't had a time to really think about these books uh, outside of just reading them. Sure. Um, okay. So I, I don't really have a theory at the moment. Right. I, I didn't even remember the panel, so I cleared it up. <laughs> well, I didn't connect that they talked. I forgot about the Mysterium things, and you were probably absolutely right. So I did see someone say they thought it was a, a room full of vamps, but um, I think they were just hoping. <laughs> right. Um, all right, yeah, so what do y'all want to grade sword number five? I am going to give this a six. I thought this was superb. Uh, I, I really didn't have any, any problems with it at all. All right, what about you, Mr. Dan? I'm going to give it a five. Leave it at that. <sighs> I'm, man, I'm straddling. I feel like the art was vastly superior to Way of X, and the writing was close. So maybe I should give it a six. I had it a five. Um, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay with a really high five out of six clause. But it's, it's, it's right there on the edge. I, I. If we talk about it a few more minutes, I could probably switch to a six. <laughs> so you're you're saying that Al Yoon has been edging you for a while? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of that or not, um, cable number ten is next on the list. Edging. <laughs> well, cable's kind of straight edge, right? Seems like I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is issue ten. Youth is wasted on the young slash depression. Written by Jerry Dugan, art by Phil Noto, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, designed by Tom Mueller, and the cover is Phil Noto. And we have Cable running at us with two guns and eyes ablazing. And around him, we have a little circle shot of the the mutant babies that were kidnapped. Then he's flanked by Domino, Esme, uh, Old Man, Cablehead, and Giant Stripehead. I still think it's a pretty... The layout's kind of odd, but I think it's a pretty good cover. Is this one that's sort of reminiscent of, like, those old-school, like, Diabolique um, sort of covers? Um, I'm trying to picture it it in my brain. It was like a video game cover to me, to be honest. Oh, I know. Yeah, video game and movie poster, kind of. Yeah. So I'm thinking of the other one. Obviously, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is my favorite cover we've had so far today. It's full note, so I'm going to say it was good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I will fix my pad <laughs> by next time. <laughs> no problem. Listeners, right. if you feel like donating for Dan's to get Dan some new pads, we'll, we'll, we'll set up a GoFundMe. <laughs> All right, so first of all, Optic Blast Party Foul is 
one of the best lines of the episode. Um, <laughs> but in this book, um, after arguing with Emma about finding Old Man Cable, Kid Cable argues with Cyclops about bringing back Old Man Cable, and they bust up some rogue Arakoans and then turn them over to the police, which seems to be wrong and against Krakoan way and not really dealt with in a very serious manner, so I don't really know how to how to feel about it. <laughs> That's pretty much the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I feel like if it, if I remember now, I feel like if they were just random villains, it would or, or people, it would have probably made more sense in a grander yeah. scheme of things. I just all right, so the idea for Koa, right? They whether you believe in isolationism or not, that's what that's kind of what they're doing. They've already pulled people out who have broken law, human laws, and human areas, and they've dealt with them with their own Krakoan justice. The obvious, you know, example that we kind of debated back when it first happened was the saber tooth thing, right? Should they have left them with the humans or taken them? But they take them back and do their thing. But here, it's like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth because these are. Yes, Arako. I, I, well, I guess what's the understanding with them attempting to join the islands and with them having occupying the same space? Do do Arakoans not get the same privileges as Krakoans? I mean, they're still mutants. Oh, I don't oh, even God. know if like God. humans know there are separate islands, do they? Well, yeah, but but from from the Krakoan perspective, like when with Cyclops and Cable being here, busting up this oh. fight. Should shouldn't they be taking them home to, and and either giving them back to Arico for disciplinary? It seems like if they were any other mutants, they would have been like, "Oh, sorry guys, we're taking them back with us." But instead, they're just like, "Oh, haha, you guys go to town." I don't know. Am I reading well, too much into it? Because it kind of bothers well, me a little bit. <laughs> you're bringing up immense like sociological and philosophical ideas of like second class. Uh-huh. In, in yeah. society, um, which I don't think again in the book. <laughs> right, I don't think they no, th- that. this book is too light for that. I agree, but I'm, I wonder why then they just weren't other bad guys, or I don't know. I, it seems like he kicked over something that he didn't mean to kick over. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, it, and it, I don't know. It just kind of it really stuck with me as kind of the main thing I read from the book, and I know I wasn't supposed to. That's interesting because it's it's only really shown that in one panel where Cable sort of hands off the character. Uh huh. <laughs> Otherwise, you would be safe to assume that they just took him back with them. Like, there's not a lot of, hey, police officer, and they like salute, like, oh, but you, right. We, we took care of things. See you later. Like Superman <laughs> flying away. It, it's uh. <laughs> It's very strange, yeah. It's almost like you didn't even think about the implications, and I can't decide if that's better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a slip of, uh, not, not the tongue, but a slip of the mind. It's just like, yeah, right. what happens in superhero books? Well, you beat the bad guys, and you yeah, like, please you, take right, the bad guys right, away. Right. Yeah. Definitely the, it definitely fits the trope. I just don't, it seemed out of narrative. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that combined with kind of what we just saw in S.W.O.R.D., I was like, okay, we're really seeing like they really pick and choose when they quote unquote stand up for what they mean and when they don't. And I don't know if that becomes a thread we decide to unravel. I think that could be some good storytelling. 
I think the fact that it's probably on accident here is is just kind of hard to to put in context. I think for me, and anyway, I don't know. I, sorry, I don't want to drag us down that rabbit hole, but uh, just it's kind of what stuck out to me, like on first read. It's kind of it kind of overplayed the whole. Or are we getting old man Cable and Strife back, which I've been kind of dreading, and instead I fumbled on something else instead. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're focused on something the book was incredibly not, <laughs> not focused on. Yeah, no, I totally, <laughs> totally agree with that. I definitely admit that. It, it's like, I don't know, this is a bad analogy, but like LeBron James had like one of his greatest games ever, uh, but he had a turnover. And all you can talk about <laughs> is this like turnover mistake he made in the game. And you're like, well, it's not really what he was doing. Yeah, but did you see that turnover? That was weird. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll bring I'll bring it home to Dallas. I was like, Luke, I'm giving up a triple double, but losing the games, it can't shoot damn free throws. Uh, uh, I don't know <laughs> if it's that big of a, a mistake. It's just a, it's just an odd. I don't know. Dan, what do you think about all this? You've been kind of quiet. I think, um, ironically, it's more fascinating to think about the the consequences of of them breaking this like the sacred laws of screwing with the ideas even if it was just literally not even Duggan Nutter just artistically just put it in the shot because he was just drawing on autopilot or whatever um, right. like, I feel like that's way more interesting than, than the book itself um, <laughs> and I'm now like I need to now know or I need like way of X or someone else to like tackle this idea that they're all hypocrites <laughs> and they're all like when we're treating Iraqa like crap next door neighbors or something um right and and as those relations develop will stuff like this come up where they're like well you're offering you're sending this olive branch but we're not getting the same treatment and that can be really interesting if they could actually acknowledge that and they've literally like and and sword shows them literally plucking a human battery out of a racco because they need that (laughs) like Oh, it's crazy. Um, anyway, no, uh, the book itself. I enjoyed like the banter, yes, and, and the artwork, and it was fun and breezy. And it was, I believe, I I read this sort of um, after reading some some big like heavier books. So it was nice to have like a little jog through the X world with Cable. And I am going to miss uh, Kid Cable, which I don't think I thought I'd ever say when he first turned right. up. Um, so yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think visually it was really fun. I, yeah. It's, like, there's like this sort of like Johnny Quest feel to it now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like running around. And it's just nice to see him and dad play, you know, superheroes, even if they are breaking their own uh, island laws <laughs> or extraditing or, or like giving up political prisoners or whatever it is they're doing. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed the little stuff. Huh. No, I really appreciated the two of them together. Um, and there's something I may have realized before, but you know, uh, I've forgotten about. Uh, but there's a panel where they're both walking into the door of the bar, uh, and you see both of them in costume side by side. And I realized like how like their costumes sort of mirror each other, like a father son sort of theme going on. And I really appreciated that. Oh, I don't think I yeah. I guess I didn't really catch it because there were so many costumes of that era that looked like kind of the all-new X-Men costumes. Mm-hmm. But no, you're absolutely right. Especially, yeah, that shot where they're coming in the door and you're seeing them from the front. Yeah, exactly. Is, is yeah, wow. That's nice catch. That's really cool. Yeah, I thought it was, I don't know who designed 
um, the cable costume uh, that way. But whoever did really put some thought into it, uh, or it's some crazy happenstance. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like we we all really enjoyed the artwork and we had a fun time with a fun cable yeah. story, uh, yeah. but but not a lot of. Uh, I know consequences or like importantness, important importance to this issue. Yeah, I would agree. I don't. They feel like they have a lot of nothing to do to end this volume. Yes, we'll, we'll see what how <laughs> exactly. they decide to handle that. Um, yeah, I think despite my misgivings and my kind of accidental discovery of of sub political. <laughs> um, Consequences or lack of consequences, I still did enjoy the book, and I'm I'm going to give it a hearty four out of six. I'm going to stick with my fives across the board so far. Okay, really fun. Yeah. Uh oh, what book is going to knock the five off the table? All right. This is the rest. Okay. (laughs) I I I can think of one. Um, there's a (laughs) this this is tough for me because I don't I. I mean, it is. It's a very totally different book, and I love the artwork. But I'm also, I I totally forgot we even read this book. It sort of just <laughs> left me. So I think I'm going to go down to a four with this as well. Like it, enjoyable, gorgeous, but just like that's something I'm like this issue specifically. And that's something I'm going to you know totally remember in in a week. Fair enough. All right. Well, next is New Mutants number seventeen. We continue with Vita Alea and their New Mutant. I don't know, renaissance, according to the masses. We'll see how we feel. Um, Vita Ayala is the writer. Rod Reyes is the artist. VCs Travis Lanham is the letterer. Uh, Tom Mueller does the design. And then Christian Ward does this cover. Uh, Ward's an artist I like a lot. Um, I didn't love his last New Mutants cover, but this one feels more like his normal style, and I, I like it. What do you guys think? Is Donnie, or sorry, Danny Moonstar walking on some Krakoan gate and then concentric circles and different scenes behind her. Ooh, that's really pretty. I also saw him draw that um, on his social media. So. Oh, nice. Like, it's yeah, really, this is a, like, really pretty one. Yeah, this is uh, an amazing, gorgeous cover. I love this cover. Uh, it's very trippy. It's kind of Sienkiewicz-ish. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's liney and, and painter-y. I uh, actually... I don't know if I gave this cover its due before. Like I really took a look at it, but now that I'm I'm delving into it, I'm just like falling into uh, the pretty colors on this on this cover. Yeah, I like it quite a bit. You said Cable was your favorite of the bunch. I think this one is mine. Well, it was the favorite so far until oh. we got. To... <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're both great. Okay. All right. Well, there's a lot of words in this book, but basically it boils down to this, guys. Um, Shadow King recruits Wolfbane to help him with the kids, quote-unquote. Uh, Danny and Karma find Joshua on Otherworld, but he doesn't want to come home. He wants to stay there, and his excuse is he will map Otherworld for Krakoa. So he'll be like Lewis and Clark across Otherworld. Um, and then Anoli wants to practice putting his psyche in corpses. That's nice. Uh, Gabby and Jonathan rule. Yes, that's a plot point. And then um, back on Krakoa, at the end, Karma asks Danny to kill her in the Crucible. Something to do with her brother, which I didn't really completely wrap my head around yet. I will, I'll echo that, that I don't quite understand everything that happens in this book. 
and I'm not I'm not necessarily blaming the author. Uh, I think this this is an issue uh, that requires multiple readings. There's a lot going on. I think yeah. we had issues with her before that like there were so many plot lines. Uh, it would behoove her to, to focus on one plot line per issue, perhaps. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a little confusing. Um, I think the art, it's, it's Reyes, and he doesn't drop the ball here uh, at all. We've had a nice uh, group of, of books here, uh, art-wise. Yeah, yeah we have. Uh, I, I Personally, I don't know if, if this was just Reyes's style or if this was mandate, but I feel like every time we see Wolfsbane, she's like de-aging. She looks like she's 14 in this book, <laughs> and I, I don't like that they keep treating her like a, a kid. You know what I mean? Uh, that's right. not something I, I really appreciate. Um. Yeah, those, those are my thoughts. Um, I think it looks beautiful. Um, if I remember correctly, I think uh, the Shadow King, especially, is an astonishingly imposing figure. Um, I feel like Otherworld is treated uh, with uh, some respect and not just a joke, but at the same time, is kind of gleefully um, weird. It's very much the 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 Excalibur plot in this book. It, it accomplishes more about Overworld than what we are now 15 issues of Excalibur has attempted. <laughs> um, I think it, it helps where it looks beautiful. I actually really enjoyed the fact that the little, the little mutant was like, I'm going to go map the place because I feel like I fit in here and I love this place. I thought it was quite nice and it's quite a, like a fun little thing and obviously it's going to probably going to come back and bite them uh, in the ass. Um, the whole recruiting of Wolfsbane uh, let's just say that um, this is a this is a forest of a book and uh you know maybe we should see some you know sometimes i don't feel like i can see the wood for the trees um when it comes to the the amount of narrative that's be i called way of x dense but that's um like literally viscerally dense uh with loads of words this is just dense for the sake of like i have a hundred stories to tell i don't know if it's going to get cancelled so i'm just going to run run with all of them at once <laughs> um and I, I i appreciate this because um this is really shows off um her capabilities as a writer that she can uh sort of manipulate different scenarios all the characters do feel like the characters and they all have different voices which is almost a far cry to <laughs> children of the atom which has almost got a f- like we will discuss this this recent um kaleidoscope uh-huh. uh, of 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 whatever that was um later i imagine but um this is like really coalesces i do think there's too many plots but i i feel like there's a certain through line now appearing emerging through sure, i do sure. agree i do agree that um uh, i don't understand um like why she wants to die <laughs> um, that'll go born. like i'm not quite i, I feel like it's something to do with like okay I'm reading, I'm trying to remember. So, is her brother somehow, like, trapped in her? Like, if, if she gets killed, they both get resurrected? Like, what's the... Because I feel like that might have been the case, but at the same time, I was like, is it because she wants to, like, revert back to the an old copy of herself? Oh, <laughs> okay, maybe. So she's not having the dreams, because she got the dreams when Araco appeared in the whole X of Swords, didn't she? So... Oh! Oh, you're right. So she, she wants to reset. 
but it's weird and it's fun, it's interesting because it also um the actual asking and the, the visual of the asking mirrors when um the other young mutant asked danny um to uh go in the crucible with her as well so that's obviously going to make the young mutant the young mutants feel that danny's a bit of a hypocrite if she she murders their best friend um yeah and um but i do think it's uh, i agree with georgie i, I don't understand um did did uh, Will Spin ask to be a child again? Because she said she was a, literally a couple of years ago. She was a teacher, and there was like that whole controversy that she was dating a student. <laughs> so like, she, she's clearly like twenty something, not fourteen. I don't know. It's weird. Right. There's especially she's talking about like having a like her child's missing and stuff, and but she's drawn very very young. Yeah. So, there's um. What is it? Jordan D. White always says, he, you know, uh, Scott can't be any older than like 25 sort of a thing. And like the new mutants are like stuck at this age and everyone else stuck at this age. And, it, you know, we had stories in the past that wouldn't make sense for them to be that way. It's it's just it's it's a it's a generic comic book thing where ages and past fluctuate. Right. Uh, right. It can be a little frustrating, especially if it's a character you care about. Um, oh, so it's 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 annoying to see that with her. Uh, it's yeah. just, it just, my, it's just. My only despite... counter argument would be that he, she looks great. Oh. <laughs> if she was somebody else, it would be an amazing character design. Totally. Reyes oh, is yeah. nailing it. Looks great. Uh, it's just like, why is why is she like? It's specifically her. It feels like she's been DH, not like the other right. characters, but she has specifically been like, well, you were. You were an adult, and now um, I feel like you're you're starting puberty again. It's, right. it's very. Well, I think it's it's trying to set up the the nostalgic dynamic, right? Because of course. you know, with the original X Men, Iceman was kind of the kid brother on the team, and when New Mutants kind of came on board, and were, you know, as you know, the hot property out of the gate, Wolfsbane was kind of the the little sister on the team, and I think maybe they're trying to reconnect with some of that, maybe artificially, but nonetheless. Mm-hmm. It seems ridiculous because you've got like because essentially the whole thing is about the the, the new mutants teaching the new right. mutants. Uh-huh. So like it's like a ridiculous because like Gabby literally fills the the role of little sister. Uh huh. And, and and Gabby looks almost almost like what the same age. <laughs> yeah. Right, it's, right. It's, it's, a weird, it's a weird choice. It's a I don't know who who made that decision to because it's not just this book. She was young in when we saw her again in um. X Men and all the other things. So I don't know who. Oh the yes, thing. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not just uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it all on this creative team, but uh, there was a yeah. decision clearly uh, after she she was brutally murdered by people in that horrible uncanny X Men run um, to like de age her, and it just seems it just seems like an odd thing to do, especially when you she's crying out for her child. At the same time, because I'm like, she like 14. I know she was like knocked up by like mysticism, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it seems a bit odd to me. So it seems like this is kind of a this book has a lot of pros and a lot of cons and gorgeous art. So what how, what does it all average out to for you guys? Um, I think I actually really like this uh, a lot. Um, okay. I think I'm uh, I'm a high. It's still five, but I'm at a high five. Oh wow! Um, okay, okay. Because, because I really enjoyed like the feel. There's a there's a feeling of like an organic building to the writing. It doesn't feel like because like yes, I always yes, say yes. there's like two types of writing. There's like foundational construction and organic growth. And I feel like this feels like an organic growth, 
not everything works, but it all sort of is moving towards the same direction now, and it. I I kind of really excited to see how it pays off, even if it is terrible. I'll get cut off by the Hellfire Gala. <laughs> um, I'm excited to see where we where we go go from it. So, well, I agree. You made a comment earlier, Dan, that you can see the theme a sort of aligning, and that definitely uh, was apparent in this issue. Um, yes, I don't. It's like there's still. And I'm not, as I mentioned, I'm not pulling, putting this all on the creative team. Like I needed to reread this book, and I didn't just didn't have the time to reread before doing this review. And I think maybe it would have made things a little bit more clearly. But just because yeah. there's a little bit of fuzziness there, I can't I can't go super high. I, I think I'm going to give this like a high four. It, um, yeah, I'll give it a high four. I, I'm right there with you, Georgie, and probably for some of the same reasons. I think this would definitely benefit. Probably not even from one reread, but a couple. Um, but yeah, I, I still I still enjoyed it enough. I'm definitely willing to give it a very solid four out of six claws. You know, I'm, uh, I, I think we should mention like we had the Hickman Reyes run, which was superb, mm-hmm. and then we had uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named with an <laughs> artist who I can't remember who whose name it was, um, and and you know we were really down on that book. Uh, but this has been a nice rebound for the book. Like it hasn't yeah. been like home runs every time, but every time there's a new mutants book, I'm excited to to read it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something I look forward to instead of like oh well, pass. <laughs> right. And so yeah, awesome. Yeah, so new mutants is definitely definitely back in the game. So all right, well, Marauders number twenty. Marauders, sorry, gotta open up Marauders number 20. Oh man, I'm so out of it. Sorry, guys. 20? No 19. I said, I said it was 19. If it's 20, I don't have that. Oh, okay. Well, then I will run through it real fast. <laughs> That's why I like on the. Oh, on the you, know, you did, and I oh, didn't no. answer. Yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. So it is 20. So I have read this, but I didn't reread this okay. uh, this morning because I thought it was just uh, the other. Book. I can I can go through it real quick. No worries. Okay. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you can't um, do it from memory. <laughs> uh, so writer uh, Jerry Duggan, uh, artist Stefano Caselli, colors by Delgado and Chris Sotomayor, letters VCs Corey Pettit, mm-hmm. uh, and design Tom Muller. And on the cover, uh, we've got uh, Storm, uh, Kitty. I said Kitty because it's the younger version. And uh, Kurt Shut in their old God. like eighties costumes, looking looking cool, staring at the audience. While below on the beach, Storm's looking out at the sunset, sort of uh, I don't know uh, the end to her current stint, and looking on the new horizons for for what's to come. I think thematically, this is a great book, uh, a great uh, image. I don't know if um, the artwork is is necessarily great, but thematically, I like it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's Russell Donovan, so there's a certain level that it starts at at a baseline. But, I mean, in the in the scope of Donovan covers, I, I'm not sure it's at the top. <laughs> um, what do you think, Dan? I think he was too busy drawing uh, Hellfire uh, carpet. Right, red, red, right, right. Carpet right. Yes, for sure. Because um, they they're fantastic. This is a, a lovely like sort of nostalgia co- cover, and and the book itself uh, kind of echoes that idea of like it's just nostalgia, but it's kind of just like there's like a weird emptiness to to to, to this, yes. and I felt for the book as well. So yeah, um, I'm right. Um, yeah, 
All right. Well, uh, <laughs> we can talk about that. Uh, we've uh, we joined the Marauders uh, the night before the Hellfire Gala, and they are on a boat uh, at sea during a storm, uh, and it's rocking, and Emma is having trouble keeping her food down. But they're all having dinner and sort of sharing their favorite uh, storm stories, uh, which I sort of appreciated. Um, you know, uh, let's talk about storm saving someone uh, from a shipyard. Uh, Bishop talks about uh just like using the threat of storm uh, to c- combat people. Uh, Iceman talks about the time storm beat up a terrible uh, fascist. Uh, what's his name? Um, hate monger. Hate monger. Like so bad that he like gave up his costume <laughs> and, and, and like, she didn't even use her powers. And, and Iceman was just like watching the whole time. Uh, Callisto uh, just talks about the bond and, and how she got her powers back through storm's help. Um, and Emma talks about the uh, in, in a panel, a page that I really like. I, it almost looked like a different artist, but it's where Storm slaps Emma Frost and then helps her up. I thought it was super gorgeous that page. Um, and uh, uh, Katie, I don't know, Katie. That's uh, the weird combination of Katie <laughs> and Kitty. Uh, uh, Kat talks about you know reaching out to Storm uh, once she wasn't able to go through uh, a portal. Uh, the whole time they're they're alluding to how many knives uh, Storm has on her, uh, and they make bets on how many knives. And she pulls out like like nine knives, and they're like, "That's not all of them, is it?" And she's like, "No, I got more knives." Uh, it's not really certain who wins the bet or not, but it was just it was a nice little character piece for me, like reminiscing about how much these characters love Storm, and sort of you know hinting at Storm's on her way to something new. Um, I don't think the the artwork is very great, uh, especially the panel where they're looking at all the knives. Um, uh, Kate looks horrendous. Uh, I don't know what's going on with her hair or her face. Um, it's uh, Sally is really I don't know. It, it, it doesn't really work for me. But um, in terms of the theme of this, you know, an anthology issue of your favorite storm stories, I appreciated it in that theme. I don't think all the stories were that great. Uh, but I sort of appreciated what it was trying to do more than what it, it actually accomplished. What did you guys think? I'll let Jason go. I, I oh, feel oh, like wow. it... <laughs> <laughs> Dad's like, I got so much to say. Like, I, I like the idea of, of them sending, having a send-off for Storm, right? She's leaving the Marauders. She's going to do something else. It's kind of an undisclosed to this point. I'm assuming we'll find out during the gala. Um so I like the idea that they band together, they have a dinner, you know, on the ship. And I like the idea of them talking about Storm's favorite stories, and they're all nice and fine. But it's obvious that the characters are feeling nostalgic with the attempt that the readers will also have some nostalgia and warm, fuzzy feelings for Storm. But something about it emotionally just didn't land for me, and I just kind of found myself getting through the pages. Um, I don't know. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't... I don't think it hit on the level that the creative team wanted it to hit for me. It just it seemed like it fell a little short emotionally from what was intended. And I, don't, I really can't place my finger on why that is. I don't know if it's, the art wasn't emotive enough. Maybe if you had a guy like Skeety... Um, you know, doing the art chores, maybe it could have landed a little better. But even, I mean, I like Caselli in general. I mean, I've, I've, 
historically been more favorable on him than Georgie has. And um, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't really land for me, this issue, for whatever reason. So it wasn't bad. I just didn't love it. It may have not landed for the simple reason that it's even pointed out as a mere textual comment that Storm's not been in the book for pretty much the whole of it. Um, <laughs> and she's, and, and she's um, a wallpaper character at best. And I find it bizarre um, to uh, trade in, because it is literally trading in on your love of Storm, or the, the audience's love of Storm, uh, to, to, to carry the whole emotional weight of the book and the whole send-off. Um, I love over, men, over sentimental stories, um, but this felt too saccharine. Um, the knife thing feels sure. off. <laughs> off. Um, um, but it has no... It, to, to, it felt hollow because she's been such a uh, a wayward uh, cast member. Uh, she's only been there to sell the front cover. Um, she's been like a cover star, not a, a, an inten- integral part. There's moments where she's had like fun moments, but a lot of like her, her appearances have always been shrouded by colouring con- con- controversy, and it hasn't been like no, you know, she hasn't like Duggan hasn't really got a no offence handle on Storm. Um, like I've never felt like I was so I really like this book and I was so impressed with how uh, Kate, Emma and Sebastian Shaw um, and the whole Hellfire organization was great but this reminds me that it's actually quite frustrating when he, he much like Excalibur he has a massive cast but he only wants to play with four of them and um, I find it kind of like like cheeky almost um, that he was like Oh look, they've all got a story for Storm because you know I've been criticised that I don't put Storm in the book enough. So I've made a book <laughs> just about Storm and has all these stories about Storm, and it just felt like really artificial. And um, I feel like it dropped the ball. And artistically, I like Caselli as well. And I found that he used to do really good uh, talking heads. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because he's doing his own inking or, or what, but um, when he used to do talking heads in. Um, Avengers, this is going to back a while, Avengers Initiative, where uh, yeah. Dan Slott and Bendis was writing it, so you can imagine how many talking heads was there. Um, every, <laughs> character, uh, every character had a really great sort of um, sense to them, whereas this issue really lives or dies on like, them doing something on the page. And much like Jason, I found myself just flicking through it, rather than like, trying to get to the end, being like, this will finish, right? <laughs> Um, because, because unfortunately, in this day and age, it goes to show we know Magneto murdered someone. Therefore, the Hellfire Gala's big surprise, unless there's more shocking surprises, uh, has already been told to us. Uh, we already knew Storm was leaving this book, um, if you even remember she was in it. Um, right, right. And, <laughs> and this was the whole thing. I, and I just feel like, much like the front cover, I just feel like there's a, this this cold, hollow, corporate um, sort of we have this character. You must care about them. This book is here for you to care. Look. And it just feels like if it was a film, you'd just constantly get this, like, like um, it'd be like overbearing music of, of a sentimental, <laughs> like, like when, like when the dog comes running home from the well or whatever, it'd just be like really heavy handed stuff. So I really just didn't like it. I don't know. It's the first time they've misstepped, but I was just like, yeah, no. So um, I'm kind of, glad storms left the book because maybe she'll actually get to do something and um hopefully it'll uh, and, and go honestly, back on the book i mean i love storms she's one of my favorite x-men the book hasn't really needed her like 
you get enough with Kate and Emma and Pyro and Iceman and Bishop. Like, I haven't necessarily missed her, so I don't know why we need to make a bit. Anyway, but yeah. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> I gave it just straight up three out of six. I, I think mostly because the books we're about to read after this, I wanted to, I didn't want to put it in the same ballpark as them. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll straddle the fence with three out of six claws from Rogers 20. What about y'all? Good. As a, as a technical book, it's a free out of, as like a book with all of its, uh, moving parts, a machine that tells a story. It's definitely like a free, it's definitely middle of the road. Um, I feel like I'm annoyed at it because it tries so hard to emotionally manipulate stuff that shouldn't need to be emotionally manipulated. So, uh, but it is nowhere near as bad as for me as the next two books we're about to talk to talk about. So I'm going to keep it at free. Yeah, I mean this this book. Uh, judging by the fact that I had asked what issue we were reading, uh, <laughs> didn't leave that much of a mark on me. Uh, I I I like the idea of. Like, what's your favorite Storm story? Like, wh- what does Storm mean to you? And I really appreciated, like, that was the way they wanted to send her off on. Uh, I, I just don't think they picked very good stories, necessarily. I like the Bishops was really short. I did, too. Yeah, right. And then he's like, oh, it's raining, so I'm going to tell you guys Storm's here. Yeah. <laughs> and just that was enough for people to be like, oh, uh, yeah, we'll back down. Like, I really appreciated what that said about Storm and also, like, uh, how Bishop, uh, like, quote-unquote, valued her. Um, but otherwise, the artwork is. I mean, Caselli's not been my favorite, but there were some really terrible panels uh, yeah. in this in this issue. So, like, I'm even tempted to go down to like a two because of the artwork. Oh. Um, I thought you uh, would be higher than both of us. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> like, like, I I I like the potential of what they were doing, but I don't feel like it really it carried out. Uh, I'm I'm actually yeah, I will go with the two just because. I mean, I mentioned that one panel where they're looking into the camera. And and Kate looks so bad, uh, and that it, it almost looks she looks like a man almost with with like metal hair, like uh, music metal hair, like right. uh, Metallica. Watch I got the Nick. pangs, but I got mm-hmm. hair in the back as well. Um, it's, oh, is this a is this a R.I.P. Connie Tony Katane issue? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> wow. Sorry, is Tiny. that too, too soon? <laughs> that was. Very appropriate for your your demographic, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it, it, I think it was uh, unfortunate that that. Would that be the Rogaine demographic, Georgie. I don't think Rogaine grows your hair like that, uh, Jason. Um, no, no, I mean I mean the people that care. <laughs> oh yes, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I just felt like the, the idea was was really nice, and that yeah. the execution really didn't live up to what they were trying to do. All right. Well, they. There you go, folks. When you hear something positive from Georgie, it often is still going to be too Masking, tough. right. It's the poison <laughs> is underneath. Wow. What a twist. All right. Well, speaking of twist, no, not really. Um, Children of the Atom number three. Now, we were kind of lukewarm to okay on the first two issues, but this one is number three, and it is Discovering Power, or Unusual Dinner Guest, uh, written by Vita Ayala, art by Paco Medina, colors by David Curiel, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, designed by Tom Mueller, and covered by R.B. Silva and Jesus Arbatov. 
And the cover is fine. It's our children of the atom in a spaceship. And it's blowing up. It's just a blown up panel from a from a, a story. It, it doesn't feel like a cover to me. It just feels like things are happening. Yeah. It, it felt to me like, uh, what are we doing here? Because I thought we left off somewhere else. That's my, my feeling with the whole book. It's like, why uh, are we, wh- what are we doing? Well, wait, wait, you're going to go to my synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, so my synopsis is the art is good. Something, something, uh-huh. something. Maybe mutants. Maybe issues one and two took place. There you go. That's all I got. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, I, I mean, I... as a strength, I thought delving into the psyche of the character was fine. I have no idea what's going on plot-wise. I mean, I literally don't... Are they on a spaceship? How'd they get on a spaceship? What happened to the gate at the end of issue two? Um, you know, their friend is is like genetically altered with mutant DNA, and then the, the girl at the end turns into like a lizard girl. I just... I But her, her friends crashed in the Adirondack Mountains, but why... I, I am I, I'm completely lost in this book. So I, I they don't mark it very well, and I, I saw it the second time. But it's like a then and a now sure. story, right? So then means like previously they were on a ship, and we don't know why. Uh, I think they mentioned like they found the ship, and they went up in space just because they found the ship, and then something happened. But uh, uh, it was it's very confusing. Even the now isn't where they left off last issue with now. And why she's sort of getting powers, maybe, isn't very clear. Uh, I think the only interesting part was um, uh, we got this friend who was sick, and we used mutant DNA to like help him get better. So what does that mean? Like that's 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 interesting. I don't know if there's anything else in this book that I'm like really loving. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Dan? So, um, firstly, they've got the right artist. Uh, yes, the yeah, the art, the art, the art uh, is superb. I really like. I really liked. Uh, it was Ben Chang uh, um, on the last one. I do like his work, and but I feel like uh, I've always enjoyed Paco Medina. I think he does a really good work. Good work on that absolute shitstorm of a script that is Fantastic Four. Uh-huh. Um, and he he's mainly the reason I, I stick around to read that to look at the pretty pictures. And his work is perfect for this book. It's got the right energy, has the right tone. Um, however, that tone is all over the place. And um, I generally thought I'd missed an issue because I right, was like, right, oh, yeah. wait, I, I looked at I went, oh, is this like number four? I was like, I know I've been down, like, is this number four? <laughs> and then I looked at the front of the cover, I was like, it says number three, but I feel like, when they going through a portal? And then uh, I, just, I just went, all right, so this is, this is, this is their origin story, is it? No, it's set in the, it's set at a dinner table now. I, I, was, I was generally like, she's juggling lots of plots really beautifully in the immunes. Struggling somewhere, <laughs> somewhat. But this was like I am. This is the same attitude of I will just throw everything in just in case it gets cancelled. But it none of it gels. I really like that the voice that she's giving some of these characters. Right. Uh, and I really enjoyed like the the, the the dichotomy of um sort of like a YouTube star who also hates living essentially <laughs> and finds finds life to be too hard. Um. 
Uh, but then you've got like we've gone to space and having a Fantastic Four origin story. Have they got their powers because they crashed in the spaceship? Oh. Um, because that's how I read it. I was like, have they got their powers now? Because they went and had an accident in space. Well, did they get powers even? Like, uh, they show her like flipping out, like something's going on, but no one else has really hinted that they have powers, right? They they, no, they have to wear the suits to do stuff. So unless unless some crazy unless there's some crazy like the table's not set at the same time therefore they're talking about mutant splicing and then she goes off on her own and gets i don't know i was like i am all over the place i, I at the end of it i was like do i read more <laughs> to find out is this like because it feels like I... one of those stu- stupid puzzle boxes puzzle box plots but it's like here is a puzzle box and usually you open it and it's nice oh here's a jj abrams one and good luck and I feel like that's what we were given at the end, like a good look. Um, you may like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just feels very riddleless, but at the same time, it's throwing loads at me. I, I just didn't like it at all, which is annoying because I really like the art. Mm-hmm. So. Silence is deafening. No, it's <laughs> it's like uh, we had the the group chat and we were like, "So, um, did we miss something? Weren't they about to go into a portal? What's <laughs> happening here?" Like, it almost makes me feel like, remember they were going to do issues and then uh, because of delays, things were pushed back. Oh, I'm, I'm, like half of me is wondering if they sent the wrong files to the printer. You know, <laughs> like honestly, that's that's how out of place this was, right? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. If it was all if it was all set in the past, I'd have forgiven it. So, like, all right, so we're going to see like. Then before they walk into the the gate, right, we we catch up with the portal next issue. But now we we have to catch up with the portal and figure out why we have lizard powers, or werewolf power, or whatever the hell kind of powers these are. Um, yeah, and the dialogue wasn't bad. Like the dialogue is not bad. Like this is a thing appropriately teenage. There's a lot of it. It's just. It's just, it's a mess. It's a freaking mess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just don't know what to say about it. You're just so confused about what is happening. So confused. And it's not as if, like, um, we all read this completely separate from each other. And we'll all come to the same, I know we think similar, like a hive mind sometimes. Right. We've all, like, <laughs> we've all come to sort of a similar conclusion. And it's not us. I've talked to other people about this book. Um, and other people are like, well, <laughs> shrug their shoulders I have no idea so right. it's like I, don't, I feel like it may have hit for other people but I don't know it's a two it literally is a, the reason I'm giving it two isn't because it's like it looks lovely um I really like the color work especially like on the ship I thought the color work was really fun mm-hmm. I really like the way they draw um is it she begins with a B um buddy yeah I love yeah. how she's drawn. She looks fantastic, and I love the like the tie and everything. Um, she looks really distinct compared to the rest of them, bless her. Um, right. And I really enjoy the voice that is given to some of the characters. And even though it was a bit heavy-handed with the guy who, who basically is the villain saying "I splice DNA," species. I like. I, I enjoyed all the separate elements, but it's like when you enjoy all the separate desserts but if you mix them together it probably tastes like crap mm-hmm. um and that's kind of what 
happened and that's why it's so it's so jarring like it's it, the cut even the cuts between panels like between the stories it, it, it are quite jarring in places and i found it hard to read and it's 22 pages don't make it hard to read that's right. that's bad <laughs> yeah uh two out of six for me as well for a lot of the same reasons um and definitely give it a few points for the art and the color and like i said the the Dan, I think you said voices. I said dialogue. But, I mean, that part is fine. It's just the the yeah, just the plot itself is too indecipherable for me. And much so. So same writer, right? They they wrote both books. New Mutants. I'm like, okay. And you know what? Step away. Come back and read this again. There's no chance in hell I'm reading this again. Like I'm just I'm not going to put myself through that. <laughs> So, no, yeah, uh, not, never, no, I don't need to read this again. I'm gonna give this a two out of five. It's sort of the reversal of what I said about uh, Marauders, like the artwork's gorgeous, uh, but story wise, they got some interesting concepts, but execution is a giant mess. I have no idea what's happening, and I really don't want to know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, are we going to end on a high note with X-Core number one, Mr. Dan? I doubt it. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> I, haven't got, I haven't got the actual uh, cover artist, but I'm... Uh, uh, David Aja. Oh, that makes sense. Or Aja. How, how do you say his name? Aja? Yeah. Aja? Aja. Because yes. um, when I met him, I'm pretty sure that's how he... He's lovely. He drew, he drew Iron Fist for me. Um, oh. He's such a nice guy. Awesome. Not the comic. That would be amazing if he oh, drew the whole right. comic comic. But he's so lovely. But yes, um, it's written by Tini Howard, um, art by Alberto Fauché, I believe, if he's French. Um, so, Colourist Sonigo and VCs Clayton Cowles as the letterer. We have a very stylized front cover of uh, red, black and white, essentially. And they've got uh, Angel and uh, Monet in their business suits and their shadows of their inner selves with their faces inside it. And we've got one milligram, because ha-ha, it's about drugs. And it's 48 tablets, 48 pages long, I think. Well, it felt like 48 pages long, um, even if it wasn't. And um, I like it, sort of. It's got like a riff a of Mad Men. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice cover. striking striking cover for the first issue. But I hate the title. I've always hated the whole X-Corporation thing. It, it sounds like a bad video game uh, company. So. <laughs> yes, Georgie? Uh, I really dislike the art in this book so much. Uh, yeah. I hate I hate the faces. I think they all look like... Uh, uh, yeah, they're they're not symmetrical. Like, the, the eyes are never quite aligned right. It's always... It's always off-putting. I, I don't think the colors work great with the pencils either. Um, well, the colors have to go back to print. Um, so yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone was slightly white or slightly a lesser shade of white. Yes, at some for point. sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, what I, what I did like was um, a few things. Uh, one, they included, and I get on the mic. It's just like when I'm on stage. If I don't got my notes with me, I forget my own jokes. I forget what I was uh, the name of characters here. Um, who's the character that can yeah. control the tech, trinary tech? or trinary? Yeah, trinary. I was glad. Okay, they brought her back. Happy to see that. All right, giving Monet something to do. Happy to see that. 
they're giving Jamie something very interesting. Uh, I wanted more of that. Like, all right, he's uh, the R and D guy, um, and he's he's like treating his his dupes as like uh, in a sort of militaristic style. That was interesting. Seeing like having him, I thought he was the most uh, interesting part of the issue. Uh, to be honest, I wanted uh, more focus on him. <laughs> Maybe I just like Jamie so much. Um, I, so I, I like that. But otherwise, I thought the dialogue was a little bit confusing. I, I was a little bit rushing to get through it. Um, and I thought the artwork was uninspired and uninteresting. Like, I was flipping through, like, all right, I, I like some of these characters are here. Okay, maybe there's, like, a corporate espionage uh, battle happening. That could be fun. But uh, I, I read the book and thought, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy it. I'll say this for it. Um, it felt more like it had a direction than um, Excalibur does uh, or did when I was still reading it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got is it is it a larger cast a smaller cast about the same I feel like at least the characters basically got a good amount of time each except for maybe Trianary who had not a whole lot to do um, I, I can only think of it in comparison to Excalibur and uh, I thought alright it's got a direction it's got some characters I'm, I'm glad to see uh, otherwise I didn't really like the book so um, obviously um we didn't delve into its plot, which, if you want me to run it down, is literally simply there's an ex-business. They live on Tracy Island, which flies, and um, that's essentially all you really need to know. And there's horse racing. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, we, we talked about the cover, and I totally went over my head, yeah, and I just went into okay. the whole thing. I'm that's so right. sorry. <laughs> no, my no, mind no, slipped. So I was going to say, <laughs> you know, um, the elevator pitch for the book seems like it could be a good idea, right? We we have the Krakoan Island. We're dispersing these drugs. We've already covered kind of the black market angle. Let's get a look at like the actual legal business angle of dispersing these drugs. Almost like a big pharma, right? Like, yeah, and, yeah. And can our heroes if effectively be an evil corporation? Um, and can they do that like and have good business sense and all that stuff? And so that's that's a good pitch. And honestly, the outline for this issue of the business has a rocky start. They're threatened by a competitor who says there's no room for compassion in this industry, which sounds mega familiar. Um, and then, you know, they attack a savage land facility and say, hey, you're harvesting from a protected land and you can't guarantee safety of your facilities that's a that's a crisis and um, controversy around your business. We're going to use that to make you look terrible, uh, decrease your stock, and make people not want to buy your product. Uh, that as an outline seems like a good issue, but there's nothing about this issue that I enjoyed. <laughs> um, I didn't like the art. I didn't like the dialogue. The writing. If more. If Children of the Atom felt like a mess, this felt like homework. I literally was like, please, can this be over? Like, I'm tired of this. <laughs> and I was about halfway through. And I was like, I, just, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to read this anymore. Like, I like the idea. I like what it could be. I don't have any faith that's ever going to get there. I just, I don't like to shit on people in the comics industry. I really try not to. I just... So I won't say I think they're a bad writer. I just, 
after giving Tini Howard several chances on different books that I've started and mostly bailed on, I would just say I don't think she's a writer for me. And that's kind of the nicest way I know to put it. I, I'm, um, I'm, Dan, I think, needs to go over the, the plot of this book, and I'm sorry for what? jumping. I don't know where my head was, but uh, the cover uh, as a concept is kind of interesting. It looks more just as a design than anything else. But uh, take it away, Dan. Uh, well, after you've both dissected it, um, essentially, uh, there is the elevator pitch is true. It's um, Angel and um, M are on their first couple of days of opening X Corp to the world. Angel wants to do it by the books and be all, you know, um, nice and kind about it and wants to go and is going to a meeting where to a guy that Magneto basically turned around and went, we're gods now too so clearly he's gonna be angry um in a horse race where every horse is cybernetic for some reason um m decides to just play uh, loose and fast with her personality and um sort of one minute she's arrogant then she's angry then she's arrogant and i've never really got the whole penance angle um properly and i don't think it's uh very well articulated at all yeah other than she's the hulk um, when she's like, <laughs> right, right. Like, she goes red and spiky. Um, Magneto, uh, Magneto, sorry, Xavier is talked down to by both Emma and like Angel is, is, is Warren is treated like a child in that scene. Um, where like, oh, we had a telepathic communication, and I feel like Teeny Howard's channeling Emma Frost, like circa like Morrison, but not quite getting it with, with M. Um, and I feel like the, the promise is there. And then the great idea of having like um, Madrox run the um, the facility, because that's where we go to next, where he's making the uh, medicine. Um, that's such a great idea. They sort of bring in all of Peter David's back, uh, back, um, backpack, backpack, baggage, essentially. <laughs> where, um, where, where uh, Ma, uh, Ma, uh, Jamie, all of Jamie's dupes have their own personality. And he's just trying to like, you know, we've got to do this and this, but it's really heavily handily foreshadowed of, I need to have them reabsorbed so we can keep the knowledge of the research because what if something happens? Question mark, wink, wink to the camera. Um, and then we move over to the other character because the, uh, the other, the B plot is that they're making a board members. Um, and so um, M decides to, to have Trinary, who is a completely different character to when I last saw her. Yeah. Um, this strong, independent, I am going to fuck with the system character is tending to, I am now a geek girl and shy, and I don't punch things like I used to. Um, maybe it's resurrection. Maybe that does, to it, does, does it to you. And then she just becomes like this weird punchline character where it's like, shall I talk to this machine? Shall I talk to this machine? Did I tell you that I can talk to machines? Because I'm going to do it every single word bubble. I will tell you that I can talk to machines. And it is just <laughs> relentless in its monotony and it's relentless in its plainness and the art. It literally looks like clay models that have melted in the sun are hitting each other. <laughs> and I, I think it's I think it's horrible that didn't Sonny go have the problem with Storm's colorization in yeah. in Marauder? So he was he, he had the problem with um, on it, and then it feels overtly like Unfortunately, Monet is one of the only coloured people. Eff- like, there's Trinary there as well, but they they stand out a mile. Everyone else is just white as Christmas snow, and like the colours are really bright to like show this like happy future. 
but um it just i don't know and i don't i don't the design work at play that island looks terrible it looks like someone's gone this is an island and this is what i think the tech would look like why is it not kukowin like why isn't it not organic technology why is it weird oh, yeah why is it weird sort of like um that's why it looks like tracy tracy island to me it looks like um sort of uh what do you call it um that, that art style um that the 50s art style that i can't remember art deco kind of art deco style like structures just pot on an island and it flies i was like I f- again i don't want to like i don't want to be a, a chorus of three in the teeny howard we don't like her um band but there is an idea here that would work but she's too busy throwing other elements that throw off the idea like here's a flying island they're going to constantly like sh- penance is constantly going to shift between um m and penance and here's some horses that have robot legs that eat each other or attack each other <laughs> while they're <living>. yeah <laughs> um, For a reason. it just feels like yeah it feels like unnecessary and like the business talk i have no idea about business it sounded good on paper but like i don't know i just uh, I'm, I'm much like you it was just a chore to read and i am i am not begging you but i'm like how long are we gonna have to review it um i'm actually fine with being done <laughs> i i kind of want i kind of want to see your children of the atom can reclaim the plot i really have no interest in pursuing issue number two or further of this book at all um so i mean we'll see i'll I'll probably skim number two um and see if i want to grab it and read it but i i I would say my magic all eight ball says chance is not likely okay well i mean i'm not really that eager to continue reading this book either so (laughs) it's fine with me yeah, uh, what what are we giving this thing then? Is this I, like the worst grade ever? It sounds like it. I mean, I don't want to say it's the worst thing we've ever read, but it was definitely the worst of the batch for me, and and had some competition. But I'm going to give it one out of six claws. I really was frustrated with just how it seemed to keep going on and on, and I yeah, I just didn't like it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it doesn't have the. It can't articulate its idea. Uh, well enough in one issue when it has to stand next to way of x i know that's not fair but it's the industry we're in so i mean if you if you've got an issue one you need to be able to sell that story and this is a failure uh one for sure um yeah, I don't know if I need to brag on this anymore than you guys already have. Like, uh, I didn't enjoy it. And basically, other than the aspects that, like, are we got some Jamie, we got some characters I want to see. Otherwise, it was a struggle to get through. I'll give this also a one out of six. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> that was our books this time. So, um, so yeah. So let's you know. We, we celebrated a handful of books. You know, we had some question marks and we struggled with a couple. I think that's all in all not a bad, bad selection for the episode. So, um, as always, just love having you guys on. Uh, why don't y'all talk a little bit about Excaliburus? 
So uh, we recently did uh, weekly coverage of uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, and that took a lot out of me. Uh, so I'm sorry we've had a little delay on the regular episodes. Um, but we're hopefully getting back to that. Um, and then we are planning to cover Loki uh, when that starts on June 9th, I believe, or the 5th. It's, it's on Wednesdays now. So when that starts, we'll probably be covering that as well. Um, but uh, you can, Dan, where, where can everyone find us? Uh, you can find us, um, much like you can find the Snipcast, on Podbean at podbean.com forward slash Excaliburus. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Excaliburus1. And you can type Excaliburus into Google and we will pop up on iTunes and Spotify and every other place that we'll put ourselves. Very nice. And Georgie, not to put you on the spot, would you like to plug any of your comedy stuff? Um, uh, I've got, uh, yeah, follow me on, on, on Twitter or Instagram at Jokey Georgie. I, I post a lot of jokes on Jokey Georgie on Instagram. So if you're looking for maybe like a, a daily or every other day, sometimes a weird, sometimes dark joke, uh, <laughs> please check that out. I've got a show uh, on the 30th. It'll be on Zoom. If you're interested, hit me up. I can get you a, uh, you know, information on how to get tickets. I'm on a festival, a comedy festival, on the 9th or the 5th. i got to take a look at the date again. Uh, I think it's a Wednesday. That'll also be in person or online. Um, and it looks like I just booked something on the 22nd. Nice. Uh, in a park in, in L.A., which is how we have to do comedy sometimes to whoever uh-huh. shows up at the park for a free <laughs> show. If you're in L.A. and you want to go to the Pan Pacific Park on the 22nd at 3 p.m., I will be there. You can t- watch nice. me tell jokes while in the background on the swing set are a bunch of little kids <laughs> hearing jokes they probably shouldn't be able to hear. <laughs> That's all that will go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> I can't get the mental image of that out of my head now. It's um, so weird to be like, especially during the pandemic, be like, okay, we're going to meet up at the park. It'll be safe and outdoors. And right. you, someone brings a mic and, a, and, a, and an amp and you start telling stuff. You know, and then eight-year-old kids run right in front of someone talking about how they were you know, sleeping with a, a prostitute the other night and how that didn't right. go well for them. And you're like, oh, boy, this is, this is great. Thank, I, thank you, Cody. Whoever... Whoever you have in the audience that's filming stuff, I, I have a, a video request. So I want a shot of kids <laughs> swinging on the swings, and I want a shot of one of your jokes, and I want to pan back to the swings, and the swings are swinging with no kids in them. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, no, the shot will be of the mothers running up and pulling the kids out of the seat right? of the swings. <laughs> yeah, taking them away. Like, my stuff might be dark, but it's not like... Uh, uh, like hateful at people. It's just like maybe right. an eight-year-old shouldn't hear that. There are comedians right. who will really go at it at a public park. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's life's strange. Uh, case in point. Uh, I'm sorry to overtake this. Uh, you yeah. guys ever hear of the comedian Tony Hinchcliffe? Uh-uh. Uh huh. He's got a, a podcast called uh, Kill Tony, and it's. Uh, uh, open mic comedians will come on stage. They'll do a minute, just a minute of comedy, and uh, normally they're terrible and people make fun of them. Uh, but every once in a while, there's a good person on there. That's sort of his claim to fame. Uh, this guy, just you'll you'll see it on Twitter if you look for him, did like a very anti Asian American set uh, like two days ago, and now has been dropped by his label and losing shows, etc. So like, uh, comedians are crazy. 
uh, yeah. and dumb. And if you were wondering, <laughs> yes, he was a straight white guy. Oh, oh and that, that tracks, I guess. <laughs> right. So, all right. Well, um, and if you just want bad comedy about Wolverine, um, you know, you're in the right place. So, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, for the podcast that goes next, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter's at Snickcast. We're on Podbean. Um, yeah, I just cannot say enough how much I enjoy it when I get to have the Excalibur Bros on. It's always a treat. And just love love you guys coming on talking X-Men with me. Um, so very, very appreciative. You know, and especially one this time. last couple of times where it's been kind of a difficult sure. schedule. I really appreciate the flexibility. and um, Not a problem. I think once you get through the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, maybe you can come on for you know uh, Excalibur's for a short thing. Awesome. We can talk about that. Awesome, yeah. We just did. Uh, we just got through episode two, so we're we're on our way. Awesome. So, Yay. <laughs> yeah. So, very cool. Well, all right. Well, guys, listeners, uh, please uh, stay safe, stay well out there. If you're able to get your vaccine, I hope you're you know working on doing that. You know, if, if that's something that that works for you. Um, and you know, just continue to be nice and and safe with each other. Um, so yeah, until next time, hugs and snacks, everyone. Bye bye. 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 And snacked. <laughs>